0: Cool. Thanks, Greg. Thanks, you guys. Good morning, everyone. And happy Father's Day. It's good to be here. And happy Father's Day, Dad. <laughs> I haven't seen... My parents are here this morning. Um, Mike and Lynn, I haven't seen them yet. So thanks for coming this morning. Um, it's cool. We're talking about uh, this message today called Whole Heart, and I was just thinking as I was sitting there and Dad being here today, one of the um, turning points in my life was when I was a young kid at Dream World, and I would never, ever go on roller coasters. I was afraid of everything. And Dad, it's a long story, but Dad got me to break through that fear. And that just taught me that you can push through fear. Things are scary, but you can go through it anyway. And just that, that is probably one of the big turning points of my life. So I just really want to honour you here today, Dad, for to that. Just, and it's interesting because we're kind of talking a bit about that today, even with this message. You can see this guy's kind of doing something pretty crazy and scary. Um... And I actually had another message I was going to share today, um, more around Father's Day and God's love and, and his covenant love, but it was just kind of praying and just felt led to change it and to shift and to, to talk into this topic. Um, and probably'll we'll be mostly preaching to myself today as well, I think. but I sort of thought, maybe I'll just do that, and people can get something out of it. Um, but basically, it's interesting, just the journey that, that we've been on as a church. Over the last year and the, and the journey that I've been on, um, being coming into the interim role last year, which was, was a big step into the deep end of, of confronting fear and trusting God. And, and I think we talked a lot last year about transition and about um, just really pressing into God and into prayer and into seeing and, and submitting to what he wants to do as sort of coming coming through that. And it was just like a beautiful time of needing God and depending upon God and and feeling his closeness and then hearing answers to prayer and feeling his grace. And and it's just such an exciting place to be sometimes when you really know how much you need God. But it's interesting that sometimes you can kind of get through that and get to a position that's a bit more stable and it feels kind of different. And it's interesting, even just, I've been sort of processing my experience of the last couple of months of sort of things coming together with taking this teaching pastor role and people asking me like are you really excited about it are you, you keen to get into it and so forth and it's kind of yes but at the same time I'm kind of just thinking about everything that just happened over the last year and I'm kind of a bit tired <laughs> and I kind of like a bit of a break and I kind of just like to step back the pace for a bit and just kind of hold the fort and just take it easy for a while it's like the thought of oh well now there's just this whole new thing to step into that kind of feels overwhelming, and that kind of feels hard, and actually this right now kind of feels safe and stable, and actually I'd kind of just like to relax for a bit. And I think maybe even as a church we might even have a temptation to feel that, like we've been through some difficulty and some hardship, we get to a place that's a bit more stable, and the temptation is, well, let's just camp out here. Like, let's just maintain status quo. Let's just, everything's kind of a bit more steady, I just want to hold the fort because that's comfortable and that's easy. And the thought, the of like jumping over the edge again, and stepping into the an unknown, and pushing hard—that's actually scary. It's actually almost sometimes when you really have to trust God, it's almost easier. And sometimes you come to a place where it's actually like, even though it's a lie, it feels like you don't really have to. Like actually, I could get by by myself for a while. I could kind of—I've got maybe some more money now. I've got a bit more civilian life, like whatever it is. And there's a temptation to just pull back a bit, just kind of hold back and not have to stay in that vulnerable place of dependence and faith and, and, and vulnerability with God, but kind of just wanting to pull back and, and just maintain and just hold the fort. And that could be, for a range of reasons, it could be different seasons. It could even be a life stage thing. Maybe I've, I've been working, I've been serving, I've been doing lots of stuff, but now's the time just to stop just to pull back, just to step back. And there's different seasons, and, and rest is important. I'm not really talking about that, but more a heart posture of withholding or, 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 or withdrawing in terms of engagement with God, compared to a wholeheartedness where we stay in a place of trust and dependence and love, and generosity, and basically all the things described in Romans 12. And I thought, actually, I think what God is calling me to, and, and maybe us, and maybe in a different season, is to not camp out, but to always stay in a place of wholeheartedness, and trust, and dependence, and, and giving of ourselves to him, no matter what. And actually, that's the best place to be. I thought Romans 12 is a great description of this life, of what it looks like to be wholehearted in our faith, with God, uh, so basically, we're going to go through and just sort of read and only just unpack a little bit, and and it's just such an encouragement to wholehearted faith and confidence in God. And the context is that Paul's writing this letter to the church in Rome, and he's just spent eleven chapters talking about the story of God, of the God who creates, and though His creation rebels, the God who works to save it. And though his chosen people will revel, he comes as a man and he offers himself. God, it's his wholehearted love and generosity and goodness. That means that we can be forgiven. That means we can have his spirit. It's this God of great mercy and grace. And Paul's talked about this for 11 chapters. And then he sort of switches a bit and says, well, how do we respond to that? And he says, This in Romans 12, therefore, based on everything he said, I urge you, this is a compelling call, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. He says, on the basis of God's mercy, of his grace, of who this God is, the right response is to offer your body as a living sacrifice. This is a picture of offering our whole selves. It's not just one part of life. It's not just one season of life. It's not just for a little while. It's our whole selves for the whole of life as a living sacrifice to God. It's, it's, it's this dedication and devotion to Him. And that, that, that's actually the place that He calls us to in response to how good He is and what He's done. He keeps going. He says, "Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is—His good, pleasing, and perfect will." He's saying, "Don't pull back and start thinking based on everyone around you, based on what the world would say, based on maybe what the circumstances would say, based on maybe what what the sort of the, the media or the TV is saying, or just sort of general knowledge, but actually." Be transformed by our minds. So this is like a, a wholehearted body, whole of self to God, and wholehearted mind. Our minds completely transformed and thinking based on what is true about who He is. And this guy, J.B. Phillips, says, Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold, but let God remold your minds from within. So we don't base our, our life on the, the way that the world would speak and teach us, but based on what is true of God. And our thinking needs to be in that way. So what this is a picture of, firstly, is a life of wholehearted worship. That we stay in this place of being fully dedicated to God, no matter what. Not based on what is around, not based on what others might say or think, not even based on what might be considered smart or or reasonable, but based on God's truth and God's word. We say, because of who he is. Our whole life, we stay in a posture of dependence, of worship, of life on the altar, of trusting him, of giving ourselves to him completely. Because in some ways, if we get to sort of a place where we kind of feel like maybe we don't need to trust him, you kind of take your mind off him and it can easily come onto ourselves or onto our circumstances or onto the, the world and maybe we get overwhelmed even, and we think, well, how are we going to deal with any of this? It's so difficult. Or we look at ourselves and we think, well, we're so weak and frail, and what are we going to do? And, and we sort of lose sight of him. What he's calling us to is to keep our eyes on him, to offer ourselves to him, that we do this wholehearted worship to God. He keeps going in Romans 12, and he's, he's talked about this dedication to God, but then he starts talking about the body of Christ and the church. He says this, for by the grace given to me I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. So he's he's calling the, the church to right thinking, not to pride. And then he starts talking about being a part of a body. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and each of these members do not have the same function, so in Christ Though we form one body, we form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. In a similar way, we and the temptation he saying here is to pride. But pride can manifest in superiority or inferiority, and maybe we can have a temptation to be superior in our faith, and we sort of think, well, actually, we don't need the church, we don't need other people. We've done that. We've we've served, we've committed, and it's been hard it's been difficult, so we're just going to go and do our own thing, and we have our own Christianity, just me and God, and kind of withdraw our hearts from service and love to others. Or in another way, we might say, well, actually, who am I? I don't have a place in the church. I don't have a place in the body. What I have to bring is not of value or of worth. And again, we kind of withdraw, and we don't actually offer it with wholeheartedness. This... James I. Edwards says, Christians, all Christians are members of an orchestra. Not one of them is a soloist. Paul's point is we don't choose whether to be part of the body or not. We are part of the body if we believe in Jesus. The choice is to engage with that and contribute, leading to a healthy body, or to withdraw, which actually negatively impacts the body because we're a part of it, whether we like it or not. And his, his encouragement is to wholeheartedly engage in service with what God has given us. And this is not a, a prideful that, that we're so great. This is a humble God has given everyone a gift. No matter the season in life, no matter the, the, the level to which that is, God has given everyone who believes in him something to contribute. And the call is to use that faithfully diligently, wholeheartedly, and he encourages them on this. He says, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's to giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. And this is not all the gifts there are. There's other lists, other places. So you see, this is not exhaustive. There's, there's other things that God may have put in our hands to contribute. Paul's point is whatever God has put in your hands by his grace, use it. Use it wholeheartedly. Use it faithfully. And again, the temptation might sometimes be that, well, yes, I know that God's gifted me in this, but I don't know if people are really interested or I don't know if people will really value it or I've done it for a while, I don't need to keep doing it. And, and we kind of hold back. But this call is to actually just use what we have in wholehearted service, whether people notice or not, whether people appreciate it or not, whether, whether we've done it, years ago or whether it's brand new like, like it's, it's whatever we have to be wholehearted in it and, and serve and give and don't hold back this picture of actually being a body that actually every part, if every part was doing that and contributing wholeheartedly that would be a healthy united body of Christ that can glorify God and do his purpose in the earth but it requires each part to give to step forward to not hold back So we've got wholehearted worship in this chapter, wholehearted service of of giving and serving and loving. And then then he starts talking just like a, a list of strong commands that are encouragements that just, I think, reflect this picture of wholeheartedness. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. This is a picture of not... Just be nice to each other. It's be devoted to one another in love. Honour one another above yourself. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervour serving the Lord. Paul's saying, don't get to a place where you just think, nah, this is good. I'm just going to maintain the status quo. I'm just going to pull back for a bit. He says, no, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervour serving the Lord. Re- remember who he is and serve him passionately. And this is not like hype. He's not talking about, let's just hype it up, like, let's just get put on a show. Like, that's, that's not the point at all. It's, it's a genuineness to it, but also an enthusiasm to it. Because sometimes we can sort of maybe even be against hype. We don't want it to be fake, but we go so much down the other path that we just sort of don't have any enthusiasm or, or don't risk or don't, aren't passionate because we don't want to hype. But actually he's saying, "No, be, be zealous, be enthusiastic, serve the Lord. Be joyful in hope. patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. This is a picture of wholehearted love, of offering ourselves to each other. Again, not hanging back, not saying, "Well, I don't know. it might, it might not work out. It might be difficult. It might be painful. It might be risky. But the, the, the call is actually risk it. Step over anyway. Give anyway. Love anyway. He keeps going even and actually addresses that. The fact that to live this way with a wholehearted love to others will be painful, will hurt, will, we will be taken advantage of. He, he seems to almost reference that. He says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. People will come against us and persecute us, but we stay in a posture of wholehearted love even towards them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. If we love and are devoted to one another, then when each other are happy, we'll enjoy that. But actually means when people are mourning, we will be affected by that. So that there's a pain that's associated with love. But actually, it's still the thing to do. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited, just this this humble, wholehearted love towards others. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, even when people do evil against us. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. As, as it is written, it is mine to avenge, our repay, says the Lord. He's saying, even when people come against us with evil, we're to respond with love. We're going to leave it to God. He says, on the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Because there can be a tendency to take a posture of protection. We want to be safe, we want to protect, and then kind of withdraw. But what Paul's describing is an offensive position, that we don't defend, we actually overcome by being offensive in love. That actually if we step back, the tendency and the temptation is that we actually become overcome by evil. If we're passive, we get pulled that way. He says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. It's this offensive, wholehearted, generous position that that isn't reactive to what people might do or respond, but is based and, and is proactive depending on what God has said and who he is. So there's this picture in this chapter of wholehearted love, of giving, not pulling back, but continually giving, no matter the season in life, no matter the, 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 the situation we're in, and it will look different, but a heart posture of giving in love. A heart posture of a wholehearted service, which again will look different in different seasons of life, will look different maybe with, with kids which compared to retirement, compared to being a young adult. It's not saying it has to look a certain way, but there's a posture of don't pull back, but keep engaging with him, keep serving with him, whatever that looks like, and a posture of wholehearted worship that we don't ever pull back from offering our lives to God. We stay and step forward into a place of whole of life, all the bodies, minds being transformed, stepping into what he has in faith. And that's the posture to keep. It's not just for a season when we need it. It's a, it's a posture that we keep in, even maybe when it feels like maybe we don't need it. And we're saying today that no matter the season we are in, there's to be no half-hearted life with God. He desires us to continually respond to his giving of himself by giving fully of ourselves. Maybe that we might feel the temptation, but Paul's encouragement in this is even to choose. It's a decision to offer our lives to him. Don't pull back, but step forward in faith. Don't play it safe. Actually, the safe place is the place of full dependence and trust in him. The, the place of trying to trust in ourselves and protect may feel comfortable and safe, but it's actually the dangerous place. It actually leads us away from him. Actually, the place that feels vulnerable is actually safe because he's faithful. And we step forward and engage and keep trusting in him. Jim Elliott said this way, wherever you are, be all there. We don't divide. We don't just think, well, it was nice how it used to be Back, back in the old days or a couple of years ago or when I, when I was in this situation, then I could engage wholeheartedly. Or if this just happened, if, if something just got fixed or the circumstances changed, then I could engage wholeheartedly. And he's saying, no, whatever the season, whatever the place you're in now, now is the time to engage wholeheartedly with God, to trust Him, wholeheartedly in service, wholeheartedly in love, to be present where we are and engage. There's this story um, about a man who was like this in the Bible, and, and not like this for a short time, but for a long time, because I feel like maybe another temptation is, okay, this sounds good, I'll engage wholeheartedly for a little while, <laughs> like, or I'll engage wholeheartedly until we get a good breakthrough, and then I'll have a rest again, or I'll engage wholeheartedly, and then God will work, and if he doesn't, if he doesn't come through, or I feels like I'm disappointed, then I'm, then I'm out, then I'm, then I'm done. There's this story of a man who engaged wholeheartedly with God for a long time. It's the story of Caleb. There's this story in the, New, in the Old Testament of, of the Israelites getting to the border of the promised land. God has rescued them out of Egypt. They've gone through the wilderness. He's promised them this land. He's revealed himself in miracles. And they're right on the edge. They're ready to go in. And Moses sends in 12 spies. Two of them are Joshua and Caleb. And they go in for 40 days and they scout out the land and they see that it's a good land. They see there's this like giant fruit and they're like, two of them are super excited, Joshua and Caleb. They say, this is a good land. God has given it to us. God is with us. He's removed the protection. We can go forward in faith. They're wholehearted in trusting what God has said. Ten of the other spies come back and say, it's too hard it's too dangerous, the the enemy's too big, their cities are too strong, we can't do it. They're right on the edge, and they pull back. And those 10, their their lack of faith and wholehearted obedience to God and their their desire just to maintain and protect spreads to all of Israel, and all of Israel starts to say, no, we can't do that. We need to stay. And then even, no, actually, we need to go back to Egypt. And it's crazy. God has just been with them and provided for them and promised them this, but they pull back right when they're so close. And I was trying to think, what would I do if I was Caleb or Joshua? Like You've just seen this. It's right there. You're so excited. You believe God. Now, because of these 10 other people, all the rest of the nation, including you, have to go into the wilderness for 40 years. Like, if there's anyone who would rightly be discouraged and give up, I feel like they would be these guys. They'd be like, well, okay, I trusted God and that didn't work. It didn't come through. Like, now I'm in 40 years in the wilderness and, and I'm supposed to stay trusting and believing and waiting until I come again. And the amazing thing is, is that that's what Caleb did. He was wholehearted in his, in his willingness to step forward, but it didn't happen. So he went into the wilderness and stayed wholehearted in faith and waiting. He didn't pull back; he just had to be patient. And he came there again, and he was ready. And we see this in Joshua. Caleb is talking to Joshua um, when they when they're gone through the promised land and, and they're dividing the land. And Caleb says, "This: I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land." So this is, this is um, Caleb speaking. I brought him back a report according to my convictions, but my fellow Israelites who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt in fear. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Caleb's okay, talking to Joshua. So that was, he, he was 40 years old. Then he had to go into the wilderness for 40 years. He says, so on the day Moses swore to me, The land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children's forever because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Moses promised the land to Caleb, but he needed to wait 40 years. But he stayed in a place of faith and trust and worship. He says this, Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses while Israel moved about in the wilderness. So here I am today, 85 years old. I'm still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. 40 years, he's now 85. His heart is still fully engaged with God and he's ready to go forward and step into obedience into what God has. It says this, Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard that the Anakites were there. And their cities were large and fortified, but the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. See, Caleb's heart is one that is focused on God. He's aware of God's protection and God's provision and God fighting for him, God working. So he's fully engaged that God will do what he said. And I can step forward in full faith, even having to wait 40 years for it, he would stay engaged with that wholeheartedness. Like, that's amazing. It finishes, then Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and gave him Hebron as his inheritance. So Hebron has belonged to Caleb um, ever since because he followed the Lord, the God of Israel, wholeheartedly. He's a picture of wholehearted trust in God even when it doesn't work out and you have to wait and persevere and keep going. He's a picture of wholehearted trust in God even at 85 he doesn't say, okay, I've had my day, I've done my bit, like I've, I've served faithfully, now it's time just to tap out and, and relax. No, he's engaged with his offering, what he has to God, to, to others in service, in love, encouragement. He's a picture of faith. In a sense, it seems like almost his faith has grown stronger as he's aged. It's not that he steps back at all. And today, I suppose the invitation is to step into if we haven't already, a wholehearted posture with God. And maybe that's where you are today and to be encouraged to just keep staying in that place of dependence and trust and love and hope and faith and and believing him and thinking according to what is true and what his word says, not according to what the situation might look like or, or that or we might see on the news, or we, but we live according to his word and have our minds renewed. Or maybe you're in a bit of a position where where you're sort of on the edge and God may be calling you into something, but there's a tendency just to think, well, it actually kind of feels safe here and it feels a bit stable here and I'm kind of comfortable here and actually I'd kind of like just to maintain. And the encouragement is actually that's not the life he has for us. The life he has for us is this life where we jump, where we jump off the edge in faith, trusting him completely, resting and relying on him totally, that feels vulnerable, but is actually the safest place, because He is God. And, and we're made to live in dependence and trust and love in Him. And if we take that posture, we can actually engage. Whereas this posture is this reactive, self-protective, fearful, anxious place that maybe is a bit comfortable, but is actually not life-giving. And actually, maybe there's, there's an opportunity to even just step forward afresh into wholeheartedness, into trust, to worship, to service, into love. As we respond um, today, we, we're going to have communion. And we, we remember what God is like and come back to where Paul started Romans 12, thinking that but therefore because of the mercies of God, according to the mercies of God, this is not a posture of let's just get slacked up and, and be wholehearted and we're just going to go run forward and we're just going to achieve all this stuff. Like That's not the posture at all. It's not us it's not we just need to get ourselves together and go for it like it's no god has gone first he has offered himself to us fully in jesus he's he's born his heart he's demonstrated his love he gives of himself to us and we respond to him and when we step forward like caleb into whatever he's calling us. It's not that we, we step forward like psyched up in our own strength. We step forward in our weakness, knowing that he's with us, that he is working, that it's his way. It's his, his protection. We, we trust in him and we, we can engage because our confidence is in him, not in ourselves. So as we come to take communion, just read briefly from... Um, Romans 13, so we just read Romans 12. The end of Romans 13, Paul's talking, and he says, And do this, understand the present time. The hour has already come to wake from your slumber, because the salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over, the day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in divisions and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think how to gratify the desires of the flesh. And sometimes the desire just to maintain, just to hold back, just to self-protect is actually a desire of the flesh. We want to be able to look after ourselves. But his encouragement is actually put on the Lord Jesus. Trust in him. Remember him. Remember who God is. And work and, and walk forward from that position. So I'm going to pray. I'm um, going respond with communion. If we can have a few helpers come forward um, who can help distribute in a, in a second while I'm praying, and then and as we do this, remember that the focus is on Him and what He's done, and we give out of ourselves in response to Him. So let's let's pray. Yeah, Father, thank you that you are our God, uh, that we are not God, that we don't have to be our own God, um, but we can take joy in being your creatures and you as our creator. And you're our good God, who's our Father, who has demonstrated his love in the cross. And we just thank you for your great mercy and the life you've given through Jesus. And Father, we just ask that we would be people who respond rightly to your mercy with our whole hearts, God, not holding back, not just part of ourselves, not just some of our time or sections of our life, but our whole life all the time for you because you're worthy. So would you do that in us by your spirit? And would you meet with us this morning as as we celebrate and remember your death and your resurrection and your return? Um, so we just thank you and, and praise you and just yeah, ask that you'd work in our hearts and in in our lives and in our church in our region, in your name we pray, amen.